Rachel probably doesn't even know what that movie is. He's he has no young. idea what we're talking about. You gotta go clear. watch it. I'm Euro trip. Yes. I'm a I'm a young millennial. We had to define this. Early yeah, I'm, like, on I'm on at the bottom side of But you are a millennial? Yeah. I wouldn't have even thought yeah. that. Yeah. But like barely. Like cut off millennial. Just like Randy's a cutoff, but I'm, on the other yeah, end. I'm just I'm I'm a little over. Yeah, right? yeah. Like I didn't quite make the cutoff. Not me. Randy <laughs> is on the edge. Yeah. <laughs> we're we're in the center of it. We're like Randy's like six months older than me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Big difference. Yes. Uh, what a geezer. <laughs> He's a boomer. I mean, that was a lot of like intense. You have any dick jokes? I don't know what he actually talks about, but yeah. You blacked out? I blacked out, kind of. <laughs> but I don't know. I mean, with like all this stuff, it's just. Don't, I'm don't, just, don't get rolling again. No, I don't want to get rolling again. It's more so it's just like, I mean, there's a lot of like crazy stuff going on right now, but it is encouraging. Like there's some real opportunities, I think, for farmers. Like there's some really cool things going on. For sure. As long as I think farmers can be looked at as like in the positive light. And that's why we got to share a story. And that's why we got to do things like this. And like being able to show like, Hey, we are trying. We want to keep moving the needle, help us to continue to do it. It's not as easy as what you think it is. You can't just flip a switch and do it. There's a lot of risk to doing it. You remember that time we were driving? That's what it boils back down to. We, so this must have been after season one of field work, and we were driving down to the Twin Cities with Amy in the back of my pickup. Yep. And you and I were going off about stuff. Like, we were... We were rolling. We were rolling right. as farmers talking about all this stuff, yeah. right? We were rolling for a good hour, and then all of a sudden, a- Amy leans forward, and she's like, God, I wish I could just, like, record this whole yeah. trip. Yeah. Like, as a podcast episode. Like, why don't why don't you do this when we're talking on the podcast? Like... Did she not hit record on her phone? Apparently not. Yeah, she, <laughs> I can't believe the Russians weren't tapped in on the They might have been. They probably got it. Yeah. So we still need to go. Are we done with carbon? Sure. Yes. We need to go back to the beginning. Okay. Okay. Beginning? This is like on the Goonies when, yes. when Chunk starts talking. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> because, so your whole basis is off the Haney test. Well, so I mean, the your initial whole... piece was off the Haney test. Now Correct. we've diversified a lot. Okay. We so I, I completely know what the Haney test is. I understand it fully. Okay. But there's a lot of people listening that don't. <laughs> I, yeah, I just keep hearing Haney Can you explain test. Haney I test? Even... I, I mean, there's a lot of people like, Haney test is different, Becky. Haney test. Totally different like, results. What? Haney this just takes a double squeeze. I just figured squeeze. it was just like the soil <laughs> test. That's what yeah, I Yeah, the double squeeze test isn't a full result on that. So we need to go all the it's way back point. and start there. It's a, it's a great point. Okay, so to Becky's point, it's a little different than a regular test. It's not the Heine test. It's a Haney test. Does it tell you how cold the soil is if you like sit in the, like you pull your oh, pants yeah, on, like sit in the back soil? back in the old yeah. days. <laughs> like that's how you okay, know. Okay, wait. That's the this test. is a good that's story. Okay, it's now like, you can start planting. Yeah, yeah. Wait. Oh, wait. Are you going nice, to tell? It's like, oh, okay. Yes. This Becky is wants a to tell really good story. Have we told this on the podcast? I don't think we've told this story, and it's really good. Okay, hmm. so back. This has nothing to do with the Haney test. Let's no, be clear but it kind of has because I know where she's going. It kind of has something to do with the Haney test, kind of. I don't know. So way back when Zach first started YouTube, I don't know if you if you've watched his early on videos. There was a video where he pulled his drawers down and he said something about putting his butt in the soil. Well, I'm pretty sure it. that Casey and I on a group message it messaged did. you. It did. And it said, came from that because you were talking about how cold the soils were. Yes. Well, the olden guys, the olden days, the guy you're supposed to 
pull your pants down and sit in the furrow bare butt. And if you could sit there comfortably, it was warm enough to plant corn. So, okay. So Zach, I made science. a video where I did that. Yes. I science, mean, he didn't yeah. show it yeah. all, but you know, yeah. he was, it was like a real, I like, so, I set the camera down and then you could see my pants drop. And then from like, it was some chest really up, good editing. It was a good edit. Zach. Yeah. yeah. Good. There was no shadow. Especially like early on. <laughs> no, no shadow. No. <laughs> <laughs> Shortly no shadow. after this. Shortly um, after. Yeah. So in that, oh, there this, was a is this really the good guy? though. Yes. So, so in He's that. He's probably sh- out there listening. In that shot though, Zach showed a really good shot of his socks and boots and maybe a little calf. Okay. As I dropped my pants. Yes. To make it seem like I was sitting on the soil bare oh, yes. ass, right? Yes. So yeah. shortly after. After this video Which I went was, out, yes. <laughs> we're, we're in bed sleeping. I'm fast asleep and it's early in the morning. I don't know, weekday, Probably weekend, Probably a Tuesday whatever. at like 1030. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and Zach rolls over. <laughs> I was going to say, did the bed start bouncing slowly? No, slowly no, no, no. Faster. Different story. <laughs> <laughs> Zach rolls over and night, he's like, Becky, Becky, Becky. And I'm like, I'm not a morning person. I'm like, oh, like what? And he's like, I just got this message on, I don't know if it was Instagram or Facebook back then. I still remember his name. That was MySpace back then, wasn't it? No, no. (laughs) (laughs) He's like, there's a guy offering me. What was it? What did he offer you? He was offering me. A good just, time. Oh, that's a terrible story. Was he offering you a good time? A good time for a bitch? <laughs> he was offering me $1,000, $1,000 for pictures of me in my work boots and underwear. <laughs> and I was so excited I had to show Becky like look at look at this so she rolls it, right? over she rolls she rolls over <laughs> I hand her my phone I'm like read this read this and she looks at it like can barely keep her eyes open she looks at it hands the phone back to me and goes Tell him ten thousand. We got a deal. Yes, <laughs> real and deal. But but she didn't know you already accepted and sent the picture for yeah, this. She has no idea. I already had a thousand bucks on the way. You're excited about the thousand bucks, not that somebody, not that somebody wanted the picture for a thousand bucks. Well, oh, later boy. in life, then we also learned that apparently there's an entire category dedicated on eBay to feet pictures. So if like there's there's all there's another sorts story of, that goes along with that. Yeah, we won't be telling that one though. We won't be telling that one. Uh, but yeah, so if there's apparently an entire category on eBay of Notes women selling pictures podcast. of their feet. That one's almost better when the mics come off, Mitchell. And That's men are paying. That's not a good enough. St- that's too far for off the husk? Yes. Because of people involved. <laughs> okay. <laughs> the look on Becky's face right now. <laughs> if you well, could protect the innocent, it, 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 then, then it's fine. Okay. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. But you, yeah, no, not for the air. But anyway, so <laughs> the Heine test, I don't know, just because. Okay. That, so, so now we're back to the Heine <laughs> test. The Heine test. Yeah. So Dr. Rick Haney, Dr. Liz Haney. Developed this test. Were they married? Yeah, they're married. Real doctors? Real doctors. Well, I mean, like dirt doctors, basically. They have doctorate. They have PhDs. But yeah, so Rick um, has been with USDA ARS for a long time, and uh, Liz has been in the university system, but they developed this soil test. Basically, the difference between what everybody's normally used to is that this looks at your soil's current assets, what's available to the plant today. When you sample it, it looks a little bit more thoroughly into nitrate, ammonium, organic nitrogen, 
phosphorus, potassium, all your micronutrients, the whole deal, pH, organic matter. But then the big difference is it also looks at biological activity and the water extractable carbon. So like the readily available like microbe food. So like a regular test is only PNK. What's what's the regular test called? Typically it's called Malik. Okay. So it's based on the extraction is where the name comes from. So Malik, Bray, Olson, those are kind of the main ones that are used that we're used to. And they look at so those tests use a really strong acid with like pH of around 2.4 or so on acid. I think that's what malic is. This is different than the really strong acid that our parents took. Yeah, that's a little different acid. <laughs> <laughs> this is this is a, a lab utilized acid. I don't know what it would do. You know, if you like that kind of acid probably burn a little bit, a little burn, a little bit more of a tingle on the way down, I suppose. But it like, it basically like it with an acid like that, it, it like, knocks all the nutrients out of like the soil because it breaks all the bonds and then you can see what should come available in the soil over the next year and then we have some like calculations to derive like how much fertilizer you need but the Haney test looks at what do you actually have right now and especially as it becomes more biologically driven so if I get a soil test done yep and it tells me that my nitrogen is such and such point which is low medium or high my phosphorus is Low, medium, or high for yep. corn. Is, yep. That's the Haney test? Right. There's, no, you can break it down by the Bray and Olson for sure. No, Bray and Olson doesn't look at nitrogen, though. Oh. Yeah, okay. you got to do I, like I, a I nitrate test. Now, the problem is as you implement things like no-till and cover crops and stuff, your soil system changes from being very inorganic-driven, meaning nitrate and ammonium on the nitrogen side, to being very organic-driven, meaning the amino acids – protein, enzymes, organic forms of nitrogen. It's all, this all chemistry kind of hippie kind of stuff. But what we've been able to see is like at the beginning on our farm, it was very much nitrate. We were using a lot of anhydrous. We were using a lot of synthetic fertilizer. Now we've really been able to work on utilizing legumes, utilizing natural nitrogen fixation, allowing our cover crop to be able to really do a lot more for us. And because of that, now our average nitrogen applications like 125 to 140 pounds of nitrogen per acre and our average yields are 225 to 260 per acre. So we're getting almost like a half a pound of nitrogen is all it takes to produce a bushel of corn where the university standard is at least a pound of nitrogen per bushel, maybe even 1.2. We can do it with only half a pound and keep all the rest of the dollars in our, in our pocket. Yeah. And like on our farm, we're, Depending on what ground we're on, we're between 150 and 180 yep. pounds of nitrogen to raise 200 to 210. Yep. But then a year like this, we might be back to 170. I mean, with the drier. Yeah, yeah. So drier year, you're not going to lose as much to leach out. You're going to have some natural, right. you know, loss and whatnot. But to be able but there to. We, like, like on a year like this now, especially if we don't get any more rains, oh, yeah. we're going to have more nitrogen out there than we should oh, yeah. have. Especially for next year, too. You're going to leave more of it out there. Yeah. But, but yeah, so, I mean, and in that, that's, like, pretty good. I mean, 0.8-something, probably 0.9, whatever. Math. But, math. Um, but being able to, yeah, yeah, we into math. But basically what we do, too, so we built a software around the Haney test. So it's the first software to be able to handle soil health. Okay, that data. was my next question. Yeah, yeah. So, so that's why we built the software was we built the largest private Haney soil health data set. 
we've been doing weekly soil sampling on our farm for the last five years. Okay. So like every, on, on every field? No, 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 no. Just on like a couple different trials, like okay. cover crop versus no cover crop trials. Uh, my 60 inch corn versus 30 inch corn interceded cover versus like just regular. Are you getting um, a sinkhole crop where you're pulling that? So what was it? Well, if you're pulling a soil sample weekly, are you getting a sinkhole? <laughs> Single in that area, yeah. The the soil is going down, so we have to, we actually like have a hole now dug it with like stairs. Oh. You can like go out. Yeah. yeah, yeah. No, it's. I mean, we're sending like we're sending a lot of samples. I've got some farms now. What we've sampled like three hundred and some times in the last couple of years. Like that is a lot from like the same spot over and over and over. And uh, being able to really like hone in on, on the amount of data we're collecting. What's going on. But the point is when you're looking at biology, biology changes all the time. Very weather dependent. Just like, like, I mean, we're looking at the soil now, like we look at human beings that it is supposed to change all the time. And you're supposed to be within a normal range. And then here's normal for your type, for your body makeup, for men and women and your different age, your different physique you're going to fill into a different benchmark and then you are able to compare based on that benchmark. So that's what topsoil does. And so we integrate, we have topsoil being your app. Have we mentioned yes. that yet? We the haven't even no, really actual, we like, we really haven't even gotten into like what I actually do. Right. So oh, that's no. what I wanted yeah. to get to. <laughs> so, okay. So what continuum actually does like we hold we, on, <laughs> hold <laughs> on. I'm going to need to tell one here too, I think. Proceed. <laughs> yeah, we, oh, need, oh, we got a backup beer. Congrats, Colton and Kara. <laughs> yeah, Kara. Yeah, I Kara? gave Zach. I gave Zach a. Uh, Is it Booth? Is that their last name? Yeah, Booth. Yeah. Oh, that's my grandmother's maiden name. Yeah. So I gave Zach Booth? a koozie earlier yeah. when we were out checking the kern. So Which yeah. grandma? Wilma. Yeah. Huh. Wilma Booth. Isn't Booth who that. shot John Wilkes? Booth. <laughs> <laughs> no comment. Wow. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> when the mics are off. <laughs> okay. Yeah. There's um, some details there I don't know for sure, but there's some details there I'm pretty damn sure of. Yeah, shout, <laughs> shout out to Morgan and Jace. That's whose koozie I have. Yeah. Yeah. We're gonna, the so Jace, a lot of people getting married on these I koozies. can't tell the Jace story How on fun to be either. at that age where people are getting married and you have to be in weddings. Never had so many notes mm. for after the mics turn off. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's my Morgan and Jace. Yeah, that Ready. one actually is a great... We started a whole new podcast but, after the mics. All right, real quick. Who is Mitchell? So Becky can carbon actually, credits. yeah. Okay. So <laughs> I am, okay. So <laughs> another note for Randy. So my name is Mitchell Hora. I'm a seventh generation farmer from Washington County, Iowa. Why are you reintroducing yourself? Ainsworth, Iowa. I don't know where they're going to want to cut it. And like, <laughs> oh, they won't. Like, like, oh, all we, that we don't, we don't edit that. No, no. Yeah, different so, podcast. You're but, fine. Starting One, Titty Mag. Two, three. Carmelo's like, what's happening? <laughs> Start Let it roll, Carmelo. Yeah, it's fine. Keep your name in it, too. You're a character on our podcast <laughs> yeah. now, right? Yeah, it's fine. In the field, there's no time for downtime. And when the pressure is on, you need to trust your equipment to stand up to the task. That's when you turn to Mystic for performance and protection you can count on. Mystic lubricants are specially formulated to keep up with your demands. Now, you might be asking yourselves, how can that be? 
Mystic products are developed in real-world conditions with real-world workers in mind, and that means that your equipment is covered regardless of what's happening outside. With Mystic, you can get to work with confidence knowing your lubricants are engineered to thrive even under the most extreme and unforgiving conditions. Go ahead. Put your equipment to the test anytime, anywhere, because when it comes to superior performance and unmatched protection, Mystic always delivers. And when your equipment is protected, so is your livelihood. It's the reason so many folks choose to ride with Mystic. Because out here, performance under pressure isn't a request. It's a requirement. Go to mysticlubes.com to learn more about their line of products. That's M-Y-S-T-I-K lubes.com. Started Continuum Ag 2015, built up this big, like, data set, was doing all this, like, soil sample with farmers, and I need a place to be able to house all this data. There's no soil health data platform, so we built our own. Now it's called Topsoil, and we work with farmers all over the world to be able to quantify their soil health and be able to utilize now, like, it's an ag data platform, just like people use SMS, they use Granular, they use EFC. There's lots of different ag platforms, but now we... We have one for soil health, but I can't can I can't use topsoil to track like keep track of what I'm planting. But right now, what you're planting probably goes to like climate, or it goes to my John Deere. Then we're we're building integrations with that to be able to get all that data in. So so I can upload my John Deere yep. or my climate direct into topsoil. Correct. Is it is it on Apple? No, 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 no. So it's just topsoil.ag it's all web-based we're building okay. an app right now that'll go out later this year topsoil.ag when you go in there it's totally free if people want to get started want to see it it's like actually really cool let me guess you're selling people's data <laughs> yeah <laughs> no. the farmer in the privacy terms and conditions when you sign up and check the box that nobody reads it says the farmer owns our data I google it and it popped right up so you're not yeah. selling their data not selling their data and the farmer owns their data. And basically it's right now it's basically, okay, here's agronomy. Let's get your soil health data into there. Let's help you to actually be able to make better decisions. Number one, I built it for being able to be a consultant with my farmers and help them to better understand this data that I was trying to present to them with this Haney test. Now we're a SaaS company software as a service where other consultants, other agronomists all over the world can utilize the same technology and they can plug in their own algorithms, plug in their own nuances based on geography, based on different crops, plug in their own recommendations that they own and offer their own services and they get paid through the platform. So they basically get to use the software as their own. Continuum Ag is nowhere on it. It's I'm Randy. I'm a agronomist. I'm selling you soil sampling. Here's my platform that I use. That's where we're able to do it. Devil's advocate. Yep. What's in it for you? So we get paid a subscription. Okay. So, yep. So right now it's a flat subscription. The farmer, it's a buck 50 an acre capped at a thousand bucks. So got okay. it. the farmer then is in there. They're working with their agronomist. They're getting their fertility recommendations. They're paying, you know, by the acre typically for soil sampling, you know, call it 10 bucks an acre, 10 to 12 bucks. Be probably pretty average. They're paying 10 bucks an acre. We're getting paid a portion of that out of that consultant's bit. But then we have all the data to help the farmer to actually be able to implement, actually be able to understand, and actually be able to make better fertility recommendations. But then also, well, hey, 
These carbon guys, they want that same data. Hey, these sustainability people, they want the same data. Hey, compliance via government, they want the same data. Well, hey, we already have all the data in one spot. Let's utilize it for all these other people. But the farmer owns it. They have to say, hey, share my data with XYZ carbon company. Share my data with my organic certifier because I'm going to go that way on these couple farms. Share my data with you know, FSA because they need it for my crop reporting, whatever it may be. And then it's just a lot of the integrations and stuff. So now it's a lot of like on carbon. We're like, we're modifying a lot of the platform directly at carbon. We have like long-term like models. We have a lot of machine learning built in. We build zones automatically. We're able to integrate with a lot of the different government databases and stuff. And I mean, yeah, like I said, we just hired five more like full-time people to build out on the software and So it's been crazy on the amount of growth and just building and tools and who's managing all this. I mean, I manage all of it, but I've got a COO that's directly Mm. overseeing a lot of it. His name's Brad. I mean, continue mag today has about 20 employees, right? So you say 20 employees like day to day. Yeah. Like you're, you're on top of all them. Well, I mean, but I'm out and about a lot of the time. So like I've got, I've got pretty close to Canada on the boot. (laughs) Yeah. So I mean, so like, my, I've got a COO that's directly overseeing a lot okay. of it. My CTO. Sure. Um, so you've he, got, you've got kind of different departments. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah. There's kind of different department kind of stuff. I sure. mean, we're a startup company. We've raised some venture capital. We've kind of played the game a little bit. How many of the 20 are full time? Out of the 20, there's probably like 11 now, 11, 12. Are full-time. Okay. Something like that. But started- part of that's India, part of that's soft time, like software people. And stuff. Sure. And you said you started this in 13? 15. 15. Okay. And you've been full time. No tail since 1978. 78. Okay. I was thinking you said there was 2013. We started using, using cover crop. In okay. That's what I was saying. That's on the 13. farm. So okay. there's yep. like a separation there, you know? Well, so we got, so that, uh, that's what I was but curious. But that had to inspire a big part a of. Huge. You're totally right. Yeah. I mean, so a lot of it was, okay, hey, so Washington County, Iowa, where I farm has. Which tripped, you can hear all about all in about, season three yeah, of we, the Fieldwork Podcast. We hammered podcast. on it in the podcast and, and I've interviewed a lot of like my customers and stuff on there. So Washington County, Iowa has tripled the cover crop acreage in that one county versus any other county in Iowa. And there's a lot of guys there that have been using no-till for 60, 70 years, using cover crops for 40 years. Like it's very normal to see a lot of these practices, but then those farmers, regular soil sampling wasn't really working for them. It didn't make sense looking at only the chemistry in the soil. Then we started bringing in Haney testing. It was like, oh, now we see it. Now we understand it's all over here in the organic form, in the biological form. And we weren't picking it up with regular testing. And then with a better understanding, now we can make informed decisions to reduce synthetic fertilizer, which drives the water quality, which drives the ability to have a better community for the microbes and drives all these different gains, but it put dollars in our pocket. That's what we're, you know, that's number one. So you're also playing with like double cropping wheat and soybeans, right? I rye. saw that in there, right? Yeah. It's a relay. Okay. Relay rye. Yep. And, and for the wives, cause I know there's, there's some women that listen to this podcast or men too, that aren't in the egg world. And I think that it's important that we highlight, cause even I think people get lost in the carbon thing and just what is carbon. Yeah. And when you're talking dollar signs, the more carbon that's in the soil is the less amount of fertilizer that the farmers have to 
like uh, in a roundabout way, in a roundabout roundabout way, way. like how you break it down dollar wise. So like the more carbon you keep in your soil is the less amount of money that farmers have to spend on nitrogen or potassium or whatever it is that they get from their local. To me, I directly, it's, it's in a roundabout way. So like to be able to have stable carbon in your soil, you have to have a balanced carbon to nitrogen ratio. It's typically around like eight to one, 10 to one. Okay. So 10 parts carbon. So 10 molecules of carbon, one molecule of nitrogen for each one. So the more carbon you get, you got to get the nitrogen in balance and build that up. Well, that nitrogen and that carbon, they cycle all the time. Yeah. So that carbon really soft plants breathe in carbon. CO2, just like we breathe out CO2. But to your point, okay, so carbon is microbe food. Okay, carbon is sugar, sucrose, fructose, glucose. And that's what we eat. That's carbohydrates. Right. Microbes in the soil eat the same thing. That's the point. Okay. Microbes eat carbon. Just like we eat carbohydrates. But when people think that the farmers like, like they don't care and they're just being lazy or whatever, it all comes down to the dollar for the farmer. And so I think that there's a big misconception of that. Like, well, they don't, they don't care. They're just, you know, like like it's cheaper for them just to put the nitrogen on their field. Like, and just, but that's not correct. And it's not only the dollar today, it's the dollar Future dollars. Yeah. yeah. Like it's yeah. a long-term investment right. to oh, yeah. like, but yeah. is it, so is it wrong for me to think of carbon as, as organic matter? So like, they're directly related. Okay. So it's a good point. That's what that's I always want to think of is organic. That's a great matter. point. Okay. So 57% of organic matter is organic carbon okay. on average. There's some nuance to that, but that's a great point. And that boils all the way back to the very beginning, like six hours ago. Yeah. Stable organic carbon, which nobody has ever really quantified at scale, but that's what the academics want to look at. And that's what the models want to look at. And that's what like, that's what they want to buy. So it's where you need to go. It's, it's what the consumer wants. That's the final thing. The stable carbon, stable carbon directly correlates to organic matter at 57% of organic matter is organic carbon. Well, we've been looking at organic matter for freaking ever. That's what we We have tons of data on organic matter. Our farms have been collecting that for three, four decades and some even further. Yeah. Organic matter. So 90% of organic matter is microbial carcasses, microbial biomass. And you're, when, and so when you're talking about organic matter, you're yep. talking about compost in my brain. I'm thinking like when the, when the crop, when like the corn husk breaks down I think in of the plant field, matter. like yeah. plant matter, Roots. but compost that's what the yeah. like it's but it's the, the final breakdown of that okay so it's so compost and the roots are the plant components those plant components have to be eaten and broken down by microbes sure and then, and then so actually organic matter is only 10 percent plant okay it's 90 percent microbe but the microbes are eating which the plants, is basically they break it down, which but if is you don't like have the plants die. then you're not gonna have the microbes exactly. because they live off of their it's uh, carbon, it's a the full, simple carbon what is it called it's like full circle the circle of life the circle of life yeah, yeah it's like it's the worm poop it's the worms Correct. it's Correct. Uh, yes. but for the most part most of the carbon that goes in there is the plant root exudates so if you feel a plant root it's kind of like an oily substance on it like it's got kind of like some it's wet that's the plant root exudates. I just had a breakthrough. I don't think it's really a breakthrough. But <laughs> you had a breakthrough the earlier. Microbes, on the-, the microbes are eating the plant matter. Yeah. And then instead of the plant matter breaking down and being gases and just going into the air, the microbes eat it mm-hmm. and therefore keeping 
the stuff. Close. Very close. Um, okay. So the microbes break it down. The microbes eat it. And it's still a lot of it goes into the air because microbes breathe off CO2 just like we do. Okay. So they eat the carbon. And then when they respirate, they breathe out CO2. Essentially, microbes don't breathe. Obviously, they don't have lungs. But they release out CO2. Obviously. Obviously. Oh, microbes don't have lungs, For everyone you guys. digging nose. <laughs> okay, so, the, but you're right, Becky, that the microbes eat these carbons. They eat, they break down stuff, they, but they do breathe off a lot of CO2. However, plants then breathe in CO2. And they put most of that carbon back into the roots Again, as it exudates and they cycle it back and plants have their stomata on the underside of the leaf where they breathe in the CO2 from because they want that carbon to come from the soil. That's how they've been able to do it. So most of the carbon that the plants utilize and plants breathe in carbon, breathe, breathe off oxygen. They want it from the soil. They get it from it exuding out of the soil. They put it back in and then the actual stable carbon is the mass difference between those two. Okay. So the more microbes you have, the more that's being released out of the soil. But if you have a living plant, if you have, that's why cover crops are important and having more life and more living roots at all times is the more of that carbon that's released, the more you can capture, the more you can pump back in the soil. It feeds the microbes and they're going to breathe off more, but the more than biomass, that's why like, that's why then we hear guys say, I can't keep residue on the soil like we are now. Because they eat it so fast and they break it down and release it so fast that you have to get even more biomass out there. And then the difference in the overall net gain, a lot of that then becomes the stable carbon. So two things, two counterpoints. Number one would be my ninth grade biology teacher would just like, he's probably like, I told you all of this. Why weren't you listening? I I tried to tell you. (laughs) I tried to tell you. Second point was, is that, so microbes are probably just as responsible for climate change as cows. That's a great point. Except for no. Uh And cows are not either. (laughs) (laughs) That's a great point. (laughs) Okay. So. That might be the title of the podcast. Okay. So that's a great point. So, okay. Microbes need oxygen. Is that a beefsteak, Randy? Yeah, he is talking the cows. cows. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yes. yep. Okay, Becky, this is great. So, microbes have to breathe in oxygen. They breathe out CO2. So do cows. And same as cows. When we till the soil, you fluff it up, and you get a lot of oxygen down in there. Now, mm-hmm. those microbes have a whole pile of oxygen, and they're going, holy crap, this is awesome. We're hammering down. and But in that system, they don't have now a living root to get the easily available carbon. So they go to the next best thing, which is more of the stable carbon, the organic matter. And they eat the carbon that's in that stable form. They breathe that off. And if there's no living plant to capture it, it keeps going up. So that's why a lot of that over time, you overstimulate the microbes and you don't have anything Mm. to capture it. And that's where it ends but up. But when we're talking away. climate change, like a lot of this really like people are, I mean, clueless. Yeah, agriculture people. agriculture so, contributes to like 12% of the U.S. footprint. It's from agriculture. So is that where when people talk like you mower plow and you get a boost, like you, the next year you see this boost of. 100%. Especially when you cultivate in season. Because you have that quick burn yep. of carbon. Correct. Yep. But really, if you did that over the next three, four, five years, there's yeah. a negative. Correct. Like you, you get that first but year boost, we, and then 
That's 100% it. So that's why we've done these things. I mean, because we yeah. see the gains. That's why farmers are doing the things that we do because it's paid and we see the gains. And you're exactly right, Randy, that you get a good boost of carbon because you get a big flux of oxygen going in. You get a boost of carbon coming out and plants love that carbon. They want to eat that. It's sugar. It's it's a sugar rush for those plants. Oh, I love but sugar. Most, yeah, but most of it, most of it they can't capture because there's too much coming off at one time. That, so, that's one of the big things I put together with the all the hundred interviews that we've done on the Fieldwork <laughs> podcast yeah. is that it, it all takes time. Yeah. Which is frustrating. Yeah, it takes time. When you're a farmer also, and you don't have, would, what, what, 40, 45 also seasons. It would be really fascinating. Like, I wish we could have, like, five farmers on the podcast at one time. Like, at some point in time, I think, We can like, do that. We'll we have to, but I think we, like, there are no we rules know here. Five but I, I feel like mm, between the four of us, we should. Okay, we can. But because cool. like if we could have the bison guy here at the same time as Mitchell, like I feel like because when he talked about the grazing thing, I mean because that's the other thing, like manure, you know, and what dairy farmers, oh, yeah, huge. So the bison farmer, you know, cow farmers, whatever, the poop goes back into the ground. Mm-hmm. That's carb. She called the shit. <laughs> <laughs> And how the microbes, you know, that's matter and how they break that down and how it all works. Like, it's not just like the cows are just putting all this gas into the air. They're also. They're also a main principle of soil. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, yeah. Soil. That's totally right. So, but the point on that is that it's looking at, you know, in like when you have a lot of cows that are in a very condensed area where a lot of that manure isn't necessarily getting in the ground and you have more that is leaving versus what's getting in the ground. That becomes That's the problem. Now cow yard type. Are we all going to die from that? No, that's the dumbest thing. Well, uh, the, by, I still want to know how much methane a bison puts off compared to a Buffalo because there used to be way more. Compared to a cow, you mean? Yeah. Sorry. There used to be way more bison that roamed the planet than there is cows now. So yeah. what does but, that mean? But to my point, like that's where the a lot of that though it was dropped out there on the soil, and that cow, that bison pie. Wait, is it a bison pie? They call I it a so. buffalo chip. Buffalo chip. Mm-hmm. Good point. Buffalo chip. Yeah, as that broke down, there was living plants above that, and a wide diversity of living plants. And so as that broke down and released that methane and released that CO two, those there was tons of plants around it to capture most of it. Before it actually escaped to the atmosphere. Hmm. Interesting. Just with the prairie and stuff. That's yeah. It would have no, been. No, it makes so sense. Diversified. I mean, the at what point people... did they grow wings? Well, I mean, I think the wings came in when later. When the restaurant opened. I thought it was when <laughs> when Red Bull, when they had a Red Bull, then that gave them the wings. Yeah. That's all freaking fascinating. I... It is. Now no, I want to talk wild. about bison for a while. Yeah, bison. I don't know nothing about bison, though. We got a, is this, a, what is this head that we have on the table? That's a bison skull. It is? Yeah. yeah, shot that some bitch <laughs> from 270 yards. Shot him good and dead. Mm. Mm. As you can tell. Did you eat him? Yeah. You eat him? Well, some of them's yeah, in my No, freezer. we haven't eaten him. I mean, like. Some of them. Very small. We had breakfast with his meat one day. That's it. <laughs> no, I, I made some. Did you, uh, did, no, that yeah, did. I caught did it that really. not sound <laughs> funny to anyone else? <laughs> Are we not going to stop on that point? <laughs> we had some. I made some patties from his. I'm still waiting to get oh, home because right. when I left home today, there was two bison steaks from him laying on the counter thawing that Tino's going to cook later. What type of steaks? Oh, you got your package in the mail. I never even looked. Yeah, we've had the burgers. The burgers are really good. 
But yeah. that is not from this. No, that's not, that's not from this, this one. No, just, that would be Dakota. No, we Pure. ordered. We ordered the uh, grill. Which they guarantee that's back. a young. They guarantee that to be a young bison. Yeah, and this guy. You can was learn about old. that in one of the previous podcasts. Yeah. Yes, the, the one previous to this. Yeah. Yep. No, that was good. Heck yeah. <laughs> so you went to your dad in 2015. Yep. And you said, "All right, Dad, I went through all this schooling. I'm smart as hell. Like I'm gonna. <laughs> we're gonna go at this. Yep." I want to plant rye and rye. soybeans together. Yep. And he went, okay. Let's f-ing do it. Let's do it. No. Mm. That's no, not. No, no swearing. In the he podcast. was doing it before that to yeah, a point. Yeah. So, okay. So 2015, I was still up at school. 2015 was when we really started doing more cover crop. It had nothing to do with me at all. There were some local guys in the area. Dave Bernie, one of the guys that we talked with yep. on the Fieldwork podcast. Dave is a county soil commissioner. And they were saying, hey, here's this new cost share program. We're doing these cover crops, whatever. You should do it. Dad's like, all right, I'll give it a try on like 100 acres or less than that. It might have been like 50. Dad tossed these cover crops out there, did it completely wrong, planted into a green. So he drilled in cover crop in the fall after planting soybeans. Didn't change the fertilizer program, which was mostly fall anhydrous. Didn't change the herbicide program. Didn't change the planter, plant into it green, didn't get the cover crop killed all the way. Complete failure. The corn looked like crap. Did 245 bushel of the acre corn. Plants terrible. Green. Well, terrible. terrible. The um, corn looked like crap and did 245 bushel. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we commonly have that problem also. <laughs> yeah, that's all right. <laughs> but my point Minus is- Minus 150 bushels. <laughs> yeah. so, but, but the corn right next to it that didn't have the cover, that was just regular no-till, did 265. So it looked like crap compared to the 265 bushel corn, sure. of course. But 245 was still the best yield ever. That was 2016, amazing yields. Okay. We had a great year. You could screw everything up in Iowa and- Farming on some of this ground and still get 245. Okay. What I'm the point. So, but we screwed all up. Now we've been able to kind of change things up. And, but dad was doing some of these things. I mean, I'm in a really unique situation where dad is very innovative. He started doing these things in the late 70s, early 80s. They were winning the yield contests in the early in the 80s with like soybeans and stuff. He's been very involved. He's seen it on a very large, now like national and global scale. He understands, like, we need to figure a lot of these things out. The relay cropping came in, to your point, on being able to harvest some of these now small grains in that in the fall of 2018, we were planting more cover crop. We were doing pretty much every acre at that point besides some trials. But cereal rye was in short supply, just like it's going to be this year because of the drought up northwest. And uh, we couldn't really get rye. So we're like, well, we'll just use wheat. No big deal. And I was like, well, this problem is going to be ongoing. Like there's more and more farmers that are going to be planting cover crop. The seed is in short supply. It's, they're not going to be making any more of it. And we need to figure out like maybe we need to grow our own. It's like good idea. But small grains in Iowa on an average land fixed cost of 250 bucks an acre doesn't really work. So we need to get creative. And I was working with some guys like Lauren Steinloggy and some of these other guys that have been using this relay cropping system where we planted the cover crop in the fall, planted beans into it. And then in the summer, we harvested the cereal over the top of the soybeans and then come back later and do the beans. Last year, we did that on rye. 
the rye did 30 bushel the acre. The beans still did 68 bushel the acre soybeans. They were within three quarters of a bushel of our regular soybean program. And now we have it on 85 acres here this year. How are you doing that? What spacings or what are you? It's all drilled. Yep. Good question. So our cover crop in the fall is all drilled. We have a Great Plains, a 20-foot Great Plains no-till drill, seven and a half inch spacing. And you're planting every seven and a half inches? You're not leaving a? A gap. No. Nope. nope. It's all just drilled. And it's okay. typically drilled on an angle too. Okay. So that way we, it's basically a vertical till at that point, but we're dropping in cover crop. Sure. So we're going across the corn stalks or busting up the corn stalks, knocking them down in, dropping in some seed. We're not going that heavy. Even on the relay, we're only going like a bushel to the acre of rye, about 60 pounds. Our normal cover crop on soybeans will be more like 45 to 50. Then we'll work yeah. up later in the year. Ahead of corn, we'll go even lighter than that. We don't got to get down all the specifics. But then, you know, drill in the cover crop in the fall, drill soybeans into it in the spring, 160,000 plants per acre, what, our normal what, rate. What spacing? Seven and a half, the same drill. Oh, like a no-till, yep. like a, like a Great single Great Plains no-till drill. Okay. Yep. So it's got a and wavy culture on the front. Same angle or the opposite? No, usually we'll go maybe straight with that or we'll go the opposite. It doesn't okay. really matter that too much, I don't think, at that point. I like to kind of go on a bit it's of an angle. A, I like to It's plant. what you would call a solid seeded. It's solid seeded for yeah. sure. So I like to drill down the angle so then we can harvest straight because we have a lot of trials and stuff that we want to kind of go straight oh, with sure. the trials. Yeah, yeah. So I, I plant on like a three degree angle a lot of times. And then we'll, we'll harvest them being straight. So, but it's all drilled 160,000 plants per acre. Very normal, maybe upped slightly 10 to 15,000 plants per acre on the beans. But the key to relay is you got to be able to use a really full season maturity. So normal for us is between a 2.8 and a 3.2, maybe three, four. About the same for us. Yeah. About the same as you guys. Yeah. Nice full season. (laughs) But in the, in the relay crop, we use a three six to three eight maturity soybean. Longer, longer, full season, which means it's utilizing more days of photosynthesis because soybeans are determinant based on sunlight for the most part. There's indeterminate too, but for the most part, they go based on how long the day is before they then determine. Okay, after the summer solstice, when do I need to start really going reproductive mode? And so we use a fuller season bean. That's going to wait a little bit longer before it really starts putting on pods with a purpose being we're going to harvest this rye in July. We planted the beans oh, in April. So you don't want them too we far along. We want the long. beans to not be too far along. We want them to still be in vegetative mode. Now they're tall. They're like knee high. The rye is about five foot tall. We harvest the rye over the top of the beans. Leave the beans. Leave the beans. So you're not clipping into the green. Don't clip the beans. Because <clears throat> that was my next question is how, well, how do you deal with the staining? Nope, don't clip the beans. You got to harvest. You got to run the header manually for the most part. So that, so that wouldn't really work on like a spring wheat very well. The issue there is the wheat's so short. Yeah. That so the you, beans get up into it. You'd be cutting the leaves of the Correct. beans. What you have to do on a situation like that is you got to do like a twin row wheat with twin row beans in between and harvest it with, you like can still all, use a cutter like bar, but you got to like push them down. Oh, well you can, you can put like PVC pipe or not PVC, but like a uh, corrugated tile just drain tile over, over the sickle. There. Have you heard of drain tile before? No. Oh, you haven't? Yeah. <laughs> it's just like black stuff. It's the ceramic stuff we yeah, put in yeah. my bathroom. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's like ceramic. Yeah, yeah. You can like get some like, you get some of that like cement kind of stuff and like 
slap around there, you know, smooth it out. So we should do a podcast with a guy from a drain, drain tile company. Yeah. <laughs> yes. It would go great and it wouldn't get pulled after three days. <laughs> okay. We all know that time is money. And one of the best ways that you can save on both right now is with FBN Direct. You can shop for everything you need this season from their online store 24-7. That means 24 hours a day, seven days a week, anytime. And with the new delivery transparency feature, you can now view the estimated delivery windows before you buy anything right online, right there on the site. FBN makes getting what I need in season quick and easy. We've actually got all our chemicals and all of our seed delivered right to our farm already. Head on over to FBN.com right now. And if you're not a member, that's not a problem because there's no fee to join. So to go back to the relay, oh god, you could harvest that with an all crop head too. Yeah, yeah, right. So we're if you so had we it use rows. it with our normal soybean, just a normal because you're able to platform. cut above the soybeans, above the soybeans. So if you were to do it in a wheat, so Casey was talking about, he almost did this year if he he couldn't find a drill in time. He was going to do a relay and do like like seven and a half inches, but then plug. Hey. So every they plant soybeans on twenty two. So plug for every 22 inches, basically do like a tram line, like every 22 inches, leave an opening. And then he's going to plant soybeans into that. And then he was hoping he could do 40 bushels of wheat and 40 bushels of soybeans still. Yeah. He Spring had, wheat. You think he, he had like 10 acres. Up here? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. He had 10 he's acres like, picked out he was going to do and then. See, but what I learned came. from ours, like you don't even have to plug it. You don't have to be that scientific with it. You now, just, with you his, just put it just. Now with the wheat. Maybe because the wheat's so much shorter, the, you got to kind of push down the beans because yeah, the beans so would the, be up into it. Yeah, there's a bunch of guys that have super innovative ways to be able to like push down the soybeans and just lay them over because at that time they're super malleable too. Yeah. That's word right there. Malleable, that malleable. malleable. Mm, aka Malibu. like there's <laughs> so what would happen to soybeans Inventable. if you clip the top six inches off? Yeah, them right so now? I thought that like maybe it'd like kind of piss them off, like when you spray them early and like always a bad back. deal to clip the six inches. <laughs> yeah, <don't>. <laughs> <laughs> it seems like a what's so funny? Well, I mean, it's kind of, I mean. You'd it's kind of good inches. to clip it. <laughs> yeah, there you go. This seems like a. So wait, theory. would you rather have it like where it's you're going to not clip it? Not like. I just stop. <laughs> Are we talking about. Circumcision. Yes. Circumcision. Yes. Stop it. <laughs> that took a while. <laughs> so. But yeah, I thought maybe, okay, let's clip the beans a little bit, kind of piss them off. Maybe they can rockies, branch rockies, rockies. <laughs> maybe they can branch out and uh, be able to like kind of, you know, tiller out a little bit and have more branches and have more pods. But then guys that have been doing it are like, nope, can't do that. Didn't work. And part of it is it's too late that they, a lot of times they are starting to kind of put yeah. a couple flowers out and you don't want to. And if you ran all that green shit through your combine with your wheat, you would have so much standing. You would yeah. add a couple percent easily well, to your so, wheat. Okay, so good point. So to to all of our out. rye and all the rye, the wheat, the things we're doing with this relay, it's not going into the actual, any kind of a grain market. Yep. It's all going for seed. We're actually, replanting all of it. There's not very much spring wheat or winter wheat in our area. And we've pretty much bought up every, everything that is winter wheat. Mm-hmm. Um to clean for for cover crops or more seed. Yep. Yep. So we've been doing winter rye and then also winter wheat. Yep. Yep. 
I think that's going to be a huge market opportunity. So like they talk a lot about how do we diversify out of our corn soybean system, just being able to have like Midwest farmers growing more cover crop seed. That's a huge opportunity right there to massively be able to diversify, be able to get small grain seeds for rye, for wheat. Why wouldn't that go farther to the Northwest? It already is. Right. Uh, That's what it is right now. Right. But they just, we can still grow pretty good corn here. Oh yeah, yeah. Of course, Which we're not going to get the, away from corn. the market I'm just, demand. I'm more so saying in the in unless the, we grow hemp. Here. Unless we grow hemp. Mm. Who mm, says mm. Mitchell? I heard yeah. a sparrow there. Yeah. Mm. I, I, don't know. Mm. I mean, we can grow it, but is there a market for it? No. Well, not yet. We had Crop Scout Christy on our podcast a couple months ago. I talked to Christy on my way here. I you know, Christy. I had never met her in person till I was at your field at day. Field day. Yep. Yep. Christy's great. So Christy's one of our like consultants and with, with topsoil utilizing our software and, you know, being able to help people to be able to implement and just get better data and stuff. Obviously she's needing to be able to have better resources to, to do some of that. But, but no, I think, you know, being able to just like the hemp deal. Okay. That needs to, you, we got to have a market. You gotta have somewhere to sell it. Well, the cover crop seed, there's a direct growing market for that. Not regulated that much. You got direct opportunity pretty easy to be able to but couldn't our government also just pull their heads out of their asses and not regulate hemp just like nearly hemp? as much and then like solve some serious problems but what was the question even with <laughs> even with the lifting regulations they had that in north carolina it completely flopped they had that in a lot of these different places like they have that in kansas right now and guys no, it needs I, to be federally it can't be state because they can't I, can get funding am i wrong by saying maybe some guys are gonna get mad at me for this but it seems I would like- love to see somebody get mad at you. I'm mad. Fuck you, Randy. Randy. <laughs> somebody leave Randy a negative review yeah. in the comments. So it seems like part of the problem with the hemp industry is the hemp industry. Like it's almost like they're in their own way. Like they almost they it's like they're trying to keep it this niche market and they don't really want to let it out. I would actually compare that the same as like carbon market. Yeah. There's a middleman there yeah. trying to pull the money it away. It seems like yeah. that. You know, yeah. whether so or not that it, it doesn't is, go but from just, A to B, the middleman yanks yeah, oh yeah. it away. It just doesn't, just it doesn't make oh yeah. sense how it just doesn't, how it doesn't work. I think right. that about all forms of agriculture. I just think that they. Or lots of industries in general, if you yeah. get to understand oh yeah. like them, it's I just a, such an old school thing that they just, farmers just assumed for so long that they just had it made because people need to eat. And right. then all of a sudden now it's like. Here we have 25 options in the grocery store, but this is only in the U.S. And I know we have world listeners and it's not like this everywhere, but I don't know. It is if they're listening to Off the Husk. There's maybe, some, maybe not. Yeah, There's some listeners out there that are not, I don't think. Yeah. I mean, think about the things that just the three of us have learned about South Africa in the past two, three months and how cayenne pepper is farmed, right? Like, right. Okay, which Where, is probably going to have to be a whole other podcast. Are you talking about cayenne pepper or paprika? Was it paprika? You're right, paprika. you're right, you're right, you're right. Yes. It was okay. paprika. I was going to say, I don't remember the cayenne pepper conversation. Yes, no, you're right, it was paprika. Yeah. It was your conversation. Sorry to get okay. the so red spice Whatever conversation you had up. with red Close spice. Up. But it's <laughs> mind-blowing. I mean, here we think that, you know, we have our problems here in the U.S., and I don't think anybody has any clue that that is going on. That would have made a podcast. I yep. don't know if we, how, I don't even know how to touch it though. It's, mm, mm. 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 
Becky just sparrowed. She did. She sparrowed. <laughs> We're going to have Matt on to explain the sparrow. Mm. <laughs> I'm completely lost. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, you are. We Ever, got- as, along with 70,000 other people. <laughs> yeah, I took a real wrong turn. So you never here. really answered the question of what dad thought when you come home and you're like, dad, I'm going to start doing this weird stuff. Yeah, no, no. But he, so he was doing the normal cover crop stuff before I was there. I was yep. up at college and stuff and then trying to help. And then we started get, collecting a bunch of data in 2016. We've been doing a bunch of weekly soil sampling, weekly handing testing. Does, does he think you're crazy for that? Or no, he no, was so very now, much like that no, aligned no, with very much that. what so he, he was. So dad actually started, so he was doing grid soil sampling when he graduated from college in like the early nineties kind of deal. And it was 4.4 acre grids. Mitchell's not calling 4. on 4. you. Four. No, Zach, he's not. Go. <laughs> Zachary. If you meet Mitchell's dad, yeah, it's it's the same. You yeah, met same. Mitchell. You, you just met, met an older Mitchell. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's perfect. It's the same same person. Yeah. So like, I take these different ideas. Dad's not on social media. At all, What's the we typical grid now? Well, now, so we do all ten acre zones. Regular, okay. like a lot of people do, two and a half acre grids with regular soil sampling, but which is like a is that a hundred? But no, it'd be bigger than that. So forty three five sixty is a is a Acre, Zach, you got a calculator? <laughs> Isn't it? They're passing that notes. A, They're passing is that notes. A dinosaur what? eating grass? <laughs> yeah. It's a dick, Mitchell. Oh. So what's a not hundred- a dick? It has a smiley face. <laughs> it's actually, it kind of looks like a dinosaur. One of those plant-eating dinosaurs. Yeah, that's what I said. Dinosaur eating grass. It's so a yeah, so dad, I'm in a unique situation. So dad is very innovative. He takes some of these ideas that I gather from my guys all over the place and he just runs with it. And like, we got to like kind of dial each other in sometimes. And, and you're talking a grid sample. So there's guys that don't know what a grid sample is. So grid okay, sample so sorry. is yeah, you take so, a square, like a hundred by hundred square. Yep. Am I, am I wrong by that? It's is way that bigger small? than that. But yeah, yeah. So two and a half acre grid. So we'd have you to can do however math. big of a grid you want. You know what, right? however big of a grid you want. So, so you put a box in your field. That's two and a half square acres. And then you sample from the middle of that grid and but you, you you'll take you'll rotate around that you won't take one sample in the middle of a two and you a half typically right? you'll take, take no, like 10 so that's a huge misconception so like they typically like you drive your foiler to the middle of that grid and you pull like six samples from yeah. right around your foiler like at that little point yeah and to me i don't think that's very representative of the whole area because that grid was completely arbitrary based on the computer algorithm of just Here's where the line is on the field on your grid pattern. And nature doesn't work in a square line. Like I, that, as right? a guy who's driven his four-wheeler to the points on those grid and yeah. walked around his four-wheeler. Yeah. People don't I would even completely know that agree. farmers but by do the time that. You, like, yeah, yeah. By like, the time sample you, to evaluate. So what like I do, agree with that, but by the time you map that across a field, I'm pretty sure for some reason I'm thinking John. John Bork does their 100 by 100 squares. Okay. So you park in the middle, and then you pull a sample – from the four corners yep. and then one in the middle. Okay. So you pull five out of this hundred by hundred square yep. and then you drive ahead and, yep. and then, so, you know, so by the time you blanket this across the quarter, yep. you have these hundred by hundred squares. Yep. That makes that, a lot of that's sense. Your zone. Yeah, that's and then it sort of algorithmizes yeah, so yeah. This to one, the hundred hundred square next to like it to the next to it. This is prescription writing yeah. also, So this one right? is nine, Correct. this yes. one's eight, that's this exactly one's seven right. and a half. And right. then it, it so what we do, so you're totally right, Becky, on this is how you get your, variable rate prescriptions and precision Which, ag data. So, but what we do 
is we integrate in a variety of like different data layers and we use machine learning to evaluate spatial variants within the field. Yep. And then that zone and you is, make a zone. Then we sample a spatial representation from throughout the whole zone. Sure. And mix all that together. Are you familiar with ADMS? I don't Egg data management systems, GK data. Yeah, Fargo? kind of, but okay. I mean, so they, they build, they build, build a similar, yeah, I've heard yeah, of like they use, same. they use seven, eight, uh, mini layers to come up with a zone the and, zones. Then, and then do and the it's same what we do. Thing. I mean, yep. in topsoil, that's, we do the same kind okay. of deal. So sure. we can, with just a boundary, we can integrate in like your soil types, the slope, the elevation, the productivity indexes. But then if we have yield, if we have imagery, if we have other layers, we can layer all that too. Sure. But for free. So then you layer all that together. Right. Correct me if I'm wrong, but you basically will make five zones across your field. So you'll have a good, a little less, a little less, a little less. And then that's how Our you manage Our average it. zone is representing 10 acres. So we have an 80 oh, acre field. Okay. We'll make eight zones in the field. If we have a 200 acre field, we'll make 20 zones. Ah, then okay. based on the variance, based on like, if you have a super flat 200 sure. acre field, you don't need 20 zones. Sure. But a lot of my guys in Iowa are regulated under a manure management plan. Yep. And with a manure management plan, you have to have one sample for every 10 acres. Okay. So our default is to make a 10 acre zone to get one sample per 10 acres. Gotcha. Because of the manure management plans and the economics really work out well. And then, so basically you're just rating the ground yep. from the best zero to a hundred. Yep. And then you're managing each of those zones right. accordingly. Correct. And then we're going out sampling and then providing what that zone actually needs. But then in topsoil too, then, so we, we evaluate, here's the soil, here's the actual nutrients, here's the biology that's in that soil. Here's the fertility recommendation that we place on top of it. We can track back through the yield and we can run all the statistical correlations and sure. run a bunch of math and stuff yep. on being able to see what actually drives yield for that farm. How do we actually move the needle? Have you been doing it long enough to see that when you manage that zone? So I suppose maybe, maybe answering my own question, but so 10 years from now, you've been managing this zone, these zones. Has that changed how you manage those zones because you've been managing them? For Slightly. 10 years? Yeah. Yeah. So uh, that like sense? I mean, we're, we're still very early. I mean, so I yeah. don't have a great like story, a great definitive answer on that, but then just more so it's overall, not necessarily zone by zone, but field by field. Sure. We've been able to decrease synthetic fertilizer by 45%, decrease our pesticides by 75%, continue to really drive yield. Like that's the overall bottom line, be able to utilize data, utilize better technology to directly drive profitability, drive yield. So just talking nitrogen, to simplify it, are you able to define, so this zone takes one pound of nitrogen to graze one yep. pound of corn. Yep. And this zone takes half a pound of nitrogen to raise one bushel of corn. Yep. I mean, we can that, definitely that do all that. That's the basis. Yep. You're kind that's, of, that's definitely where this goes. Now, the amount of people that are actually variable rate in nitrogen right now is very, very few. We shot ourselves in a foot four years ago with it. Yeah. Some of that. We haven't on started. People, we haven't really started doing that yet. Some of that is on the people that apply the nitrogen. Right. Charging the price that makes the addition of the variable rate side of it not worth the variable rate. Yeah, that's yeah. part of this. Like, did I, I word that correctly? Yeah, I don't yeah, understand I why there's an additional sense. upcharge for variable rate. Because, like, a lot of people there is in my right area. Now, if you want to, there definitely is a home too. Like, there's an additional upcharge to variable rate. Like, 
Isn't that what you should be encouraging? Like, yeah, but I'm trying to save they money on nitrogen, but I'm going to save, but I'm going to spend the money on the application so, of so, less nitrogen. So Got on it. the side of, and the applicator side of things. So if you want a machine that's going to do total variable rate, like a four bin machine, that machine has a huge up cost to it. And it has about half the productivity for the day. That's where your upcharge comes from. Yes. I, I, and if I understand they're the not basic, selling as much nitrogen either. Right. right. But I'd say it's more over the productivity. But they want to sell the product because that's where they make Because he's got money. he's got yeah. four bins on that machine now, and every time one of those bins go empty, he has to go back to the truck and add the potash and add the dap and add the... Yeah. So, it's, so how do we solve that? Yeah. Well, we solve it by doing... Find out on the next the Off the Husk. I, I, I think I already oh. said it. I think it's charging them carbon credits. Well, so yeah, you can definitely... <laughs> it's looking at it holistically. It's looking at it as what's your actual bottom line. And a huge piece of this, so obviously we can't get into tonight, is that retailer, that guy that is making the application... Where do they fit in when it comes to carbon credits? Where do they fit in when it comes to sustainability? Because, yeah, we're going to be decreasing our use of those normal utilized synthetic inputs. So their Christmas bonus is going down because it's based on volume. Yeah, you're talking their livelihood. So how do they make money? Because they're going to be completely against it. Because they're losing out of money and this has to make money for everybody. So, but I, I really think there is opportunity though for that person to say, Hey, you know, let's go and sequester a whole boatload of carbon credits. I'll help you do it. But Hey, I got to get a cut. And I think there's huge opportunity to do that. That sounds right. But so for the average farmer, the average grower, it needs to be kind of a, a little more of a cut and dry thing. Yeah. What I think I could sit here for an hour and by the end of the hour, I still don't quite understand it and know what I'm supposed to do. Well, just in this podcast alone, honestly, for the average farmer and for me, who's been a part of these conversations for the last three years, we're trying to drink from the ocean here. Oh, a hundred percent. And, and so much of this, a lot of the dust needs to settle big time. Government's involved now, bunch of different companies, some big money is involved. Like from the farm gate, it's, I really still think it's kind of like get your ducks in a row, get your data organized. Cause it's going to be data. You got to have your data put together. That's how you're going to showcase what's going on. As far as like planting, harvest, fertility, cover crop, tillage, you got to be able to showcase all that and at least be able to document for the last five years minimum. It would really be nice if Obviously, we're sponsored by Farmers Business Network, and I think this is maybe what they're trying to do. But I think that it would be really be nice if the companies that are selling the chemicals, the fertilizer, whatever, would take the initiative to actually lead this forefront, get in front of the government, drive it home and set their own freaking standard before the government has to. I would agree with that. But at the same point, we're saying you guys need to lower your costs. Yeah, like they can but do that, but that, that cost is just going to come right back but to that's, us. But if they set the industry standard and like Mitchell said, yep. and then they're going to lead the forefront, teach the farmers how to go about it. That's how I think they're going to make up their difference in it. Part of it is they are going to be able to make money. If obviously FBN is selling carbon credits right now, yep. a lot of other companies are working or at least they're allowing on. you, they're to not bank doing them it right now. Yeah. You can farmer. bank them. They're not yep. actually selling them right now, they're but they're, right they're working on it. Right. Would be they are get, they're taking a margin off of that. That's how they're making yeah. money. Right. And, and companies should like, that's a great new opportunity to be able to do that. 
just like ADM. They're and moving the and needle. Cargill they're trying something. Form. Maybe yeah. it's not the solution. Maybe it'll be right. Maybe yep. it'll be wrong, but, but they're trying something. But them to help on the data collection and like, how do we actually document this? And how do we actually make this real coming off the farm is a huge opportunity right there. Massive. Yeah. I think the other part that we maybe haven't talked about is, so you have a guarantee. So you can't just do this one year, collect your money and go nope. on. Like this is over a 10 year time frame. Typically a 10 year contract. And if, and if you have like a couple year of certain weather conditions that don't allow this or that or the other, yep. you pay that back. Or say you go broke, you lose the farm and it goes to a corporate company who builds a building there. Those carbon credits have to be paid back. It stays with that land. So there's also a, there's also a risk there. Yeah, that's why the you carbon have to credits are a ten-year contract. Is that what we're talking about here? Oh yeah, pretty much all these contracts. Well, it's, it's so, not just a year-to-year thing. No, no, yeah, yeah. The base carbon contract, if you're signed up for a company's program, typically it's a ten-year deal. To say I'm going to do X, Y, Z practices for the next ten years. The actual this is news to me. Yeah, so yeah, the like, actual I, I never even thought about it goes it. to housing development. You pay back on that. Or no, you go so bankrupt. That, so, or, so there's a clarifying. So nope, okay. not on all of them. That's why you got to read the fine print. And that's sure. why you probably need a lawyer to actually help you to read some of these contracts. Okay. And that's also why I say. Tread this lightly. is why the standard producer is not jumping <laughs> in saying let's deal <laughs> yes. with carbon credits. Because if you have a lawyer scary. involved it's not to be able to just. Dry, it's not correct. as simple. So the average contract of saying I'm going to do X, Y, Z is 10 years. The actual fine print on these carbon deals is I'm going to hold on to that carbon for 100 years. We're millennials. We're going to be around for a while, but 100 years in the future to protect that carbon that you said that you sequestered, that ain't going to happen for any of us. But that's what the actual fine print on the contract so, is. So if in 70 you years. Know, that's the permanence clause. Sure. Mm. So in 70 years, they go in and they... Till it all so up. So you're making decisions they, for your children's operation. That's why these things have flaws. And that's why they're, that's why there's the no rules way. are completely no. like, that's Nobody's why there's a lot of that. issues right now. And that's why people aren't doing this because additionality defined yeah. incorrectly. Permanence defined for the most part incorrectly. We are able to store the carbon, but who's liable for it? That's the, where the Is issue there, comes in. Don't they pay out a certain percentage and they bank a certain percentage? It's based on the for, different companies will do that. Okay. Every company is a little different. Sure. Yeah. But so they'll pay you maybe 50% and they'll keep 50% yeah. for those situations 70 years down the road. Usually not. Yeah. Usually not 50, but yeah. So they, something so like they, with the registries, which the registries are who has set the rules so far. Okay, that's Climate Action Reserve, Vera, Gold Standard. There's a variety of others as well. But those type of groups set the rules to say you have to set aside X amount. You have to directly do soil sampling and measure X amount every year. Here's how you're going to do it. Here's the standards. And yeah, they say, on some of them at least, they say, yep, you as the project manager are accountable for if that carbon ends up back in the atmosphere, you have to basically pay back the company who bought that carbon credit or get that carbon credit moved to yeah. somebody else on your dollar as a company. So, yeah, so the farmer, back to your point, Zach, earlier, I'm like middlemen taking a cut of, of some of these things and like there's a lot in the middle there. Like 
there's a big lack of transparency on how some of those things work. And part of it is it's obviously ultra complicated. Like yeah. I've been super deep into this for two years now and I definitely don't fully understand all of it either, but like there's a lot of moving parts to it. The The takeaway is I do think the dust will settle. I do think there is going to be actual opportunity here. That's why we keep drilling this home. And that's why there's been so much talk about it. Like, I really do think there's going to be some real opportunity, but I also really think that the long term of this is not going to be carbon credits. It's going to be other things. It's going to be nutrient density, water quality, improving water efficiencies, the nitrous oxide credits, other greenhouse gases. This is it's just be the these other beginning things. of the conversation. Carbon is just the big hot deal right now, and it will be there for. If they can fix some of these things, it'll be their long-term. If they don't fix it, it's all going to zero. It already went to zero in like 2008. The Chicago Climate Exchange, they already had carbon credits in mid to late 2000s, and it went to zero. Because it was all BS for the most part. There was no transparency between what the actual credit was, what the buyers were getting versus what the farmers it, were getting. There's a bunch of... It's hard for the average guy to sit here and just think of your, you magically made these carbon credits, and they're just... Kind of in the air. Right. It's like buying, buying blue sky. Is it like printing yeah. money that we don't actually have? No, no, no. So we can, so that's a big thing. So, okay, so Continuum Ag yes. comes in that. Continu- it is. It is like that, isn't it, Zach? Yes. <laughs> no, so Continuum Ag, what we've been fitting in on is we can actually quantify the carbon in the soil. We can actually quantify that it was gained then by quantifying it later. Through soil testing, there's actual methodology. Now, obviously, you can't quantify a amount of carbon in a whole acre of soil, 2 million pounds of oil. You but can't do that. This soil but you sample can do soil sampling you. to represent so the change. And you can, from one year to the next then? No, basically? you're not going to see it in one year to the next. Uh, but you can see the leading indicators in one year to the next. But the actual oh. stable carbon, it's probably more so going to be every so can 5 you come, to 10 years. Can you come out here to Zach's field and pull a soil sample and, and know what's in there How for much carbon? carbon? Correct. Yep. Okay. I bet my field has more carbon than your field, Randy. (laughs) (laughs) This field is average.